figuring out that there's something you, you can control and something you can't control. And the part that you can't really control is like finding that person who has a vision for your career and your story. Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I am your host, author Sarah Nicholas and literary agent Sarah N. Fisk. Elizabeth Ajamine is the author and illustrator of Fibbed, a middle grade graphic novel published by Razor Bill, and Heart Shaped Lies, a young adult novel coming from Delacorte. When she isn't gushing over books or comics, she spends her free time dissecting classic movies and playing Final Fantasy. So please welcome Elizabeth to the show. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. So we're going to talk about your journey to publication today, and we're going to start by going kind of all the way back to the beginning. So when did you first start getting interested in writing? And then how long did it take from then before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? I've always been a big reader. And ever since uh, my family first came to America, um, I've always like always been in the library. My parents would like send me to the library the moment school would end. And then they'd pick us up right when the library would close. So <laughs> I'd basically spend that time just reading books, reading manga, and just like really just diving into these stories and like learning about people and places and stuff like that. So I think my love of literature really came from those early moments, just like being surrounded by books all the time. And my uh, siblings and I would do like contests where like we would draw characters and basically just like mm. make our own little comics Cute. and then I guess I started like getting into like writing more seriously in high school I was doing like writing competitions and like fan fiction so mm. <laughs> I feel like a lot of writers you know mm -hmm. practice like prose through fan fiction so I was one of the people who not necessarily like books or movies for, for some reason I just like never was into that fan fiction but I was like into video game fan fiction <laughs> so anytime it was like any of my favorite games, I'm like, okay, but where are the characters now? That's where I would be writing those stories. When it comes to like being more serious about it, I think as I was like learning about like querying and like agents and all of that, that's when I started learning more about the publishing world and like figuring out that there's a whole industry and there's a whole process to like making these books that I love come on shelves. Awesome. That's a perfect segue. The next question is, how did you learn more about the publishing industry? Like how it works, how to query, how to go about everything? It was blog posts and also podcasts, kind of like this one. So this is a great resource <laughs> to learn more about it. Um, I really loved the uh, Minorities in Publishing podcast run by uh, Jennifer Baker. That gave me like so much insight into like the people who make the books, but also like the authors and all of that process. Listening to podcasts like that just really helped me understand the craft, business side, just all of those other facets that you don't really think of much as a creator. Yeah. So then what happened? Can you break down for us your journey from then to signing that first book contract? What's funny is um, I started querying more at the end of high school and then early college. And the agent who I queried at that time period ended up is my current agent now. So it's kind of like a full circle thing. <laughs> I guess I would say I started like maybe like 2013, I signed with my agent around like 2018. So mm. it was a lot of different projects. I think I had like four different projects that I was working on. And like some of the projects I would spend a lot of time just rewriting, rewriting. And then from there, like all the insight I had learned about like querying and stuff like that, I tried my hand at like sending out query letters and like figuring out that process. I feel like there's like two stages. It's like 
the stage where you're like working on the book and then you have to like figure out the business side, which is the query letter and like the pitching. And I felt like sometimes I would be stuck on, you know, the book not being where it needs to be. Or then sometimes I would be like, okay, maybe it's my query is not where it needs to be. I feel like once I got into like the perfect mesh of just like, okay, the pitch is down. Like I have something to like really get an agent excited about this project. I would get like agent requests, you know, for after the query was in a good shape. And then I would get R&Rs or be like, okay, like you're writing, but like, it's not where it needs to be. And I think mm-hmm. that was the point I struggled most with because like, it's easier to know like, okay, here I'm progressing in terms of like my querying quality and like the query letter. And then I'm progressing in terms of my craft. But like, what is that missing piece that I really need to get to like the other end of the finish line? Sometimes I wonder like, is it that they're a missing piece or is it that, you know, you find the right person who's like, let let me help you get over the finish line. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the tricky part of like figuring out like the querying space. For me, the toughest part was being like, I feel like I, I, I have the writing down. I've been told like the voice is really working and like the writing is there. And like you kind of think of writing as like, okay, well, if the writing is there, then what's what's not clicking? And then figuring out that there's something you, you can control and something you can't control. And mm-hmm. the part that you can't really control is like finding that person who has a vision for your career and your story. Yeah. So you signed with your agent and then did you do revisions or did you go out on submission right away? So when I signed with my agent, it was kind of interesting. So first of all, I should clarify that I do graphic novels and prose novels. Mm -hmm. So I had a prose novel that I was querying, cold querying. And I was also working on graphic novel proposals. So there was one that is currently fibbed that I had been working on. And that was right before DV Pitt started doing artists. So I had cold queried my novel and then I was like, okay, I have this proposal ready. Let me try doing DV Pit as well for this graphic novel. So when that happened, I got a lot of requests on the graphic novel. I emailed my agent because uh, it was Susie Townsend. She was still reading the novel. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I was part of DV Pit. I got a, a lot of requests for this project. And I know you're still reading this YA. Um, would you be interested in looking at the graphic novel? And she said, yeah, I'd love to look at that. Um, send it over. After I sent it over to her, she like kind of got back to me like within within a week and she was really excited about the graphic novel as well. And she had also finished a novel. I had some offers for the graphic novel too. So it was kind of like having those conversations with different agents and then feeling like, okay, I have different avenues that I want to do career-wise. And I, I felt like Susie really got my vision and also the support at New Leaf and like her great background in the industry and just like connecting with my project made her like the perfect fit for like where I saw myself career-wise. So I ended up signing with her. And it was funny because I would mentioned one of the first projects I'd sent her was like another different novel when I was in college. <laughs> and like when we were talking, I was like, oh my God, I hope she like deletes her emails. She doesn't, like, <laughs> she doesn't have that. She's like, oh no, I still have that. But I think what really like, because um, even when I was creating so early, I think it's really easy to get kind of like heartbroken and just feeling like, you know, you want to stop. And I think what I had really loved in that process was that um, even when I sent Susie that novel, she was so kind and she gave really great feedback. And like, even at that stage, where like I'm young and in college and like versus to now where I, I like have the project that feels like it's the right fit. Like I always felt like every time throughout the process, I felt like I could, I was growing as a creator. And that's kind of like the biggest piece for me it was funny to like have her offer on a different project years later. Mm-hmm. I guess she probably didn't realize how her like feedback and encouragement, even like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't expect agents to like give like a lot of feedback, 
but like even that like one sentence like I like this and you know wish you the best or something like that can just really keep encouraging an author and I think that's kind of like what came full circle for me after I signed with Susie we kind of like had kind of two options right it was the the YA one and then the graphic novel I had a lot of revisions to do for the YA one so we decided to go with the graphic novel first and then in the meantime I would uh, revise the YA novel kind of she like created the submission list we talked it over and so once the graphic novel was out I went back to revise on the uh, YA novel and I think it took like about a year until I heard on the graphic novel so that was really exciting and then in the meantime I was working on the um, the YA so I think the process you kind of get surprised about is just like how much rewriting you do after you sign up an agent. And I think mm. when you when it comes to like the products you work on, just like I think what I've learned is make sure you really love the book and you want to like go back into that world hundreds of times if you have to, <laughs> because you're going to be rewriting and reworking that project a lot. Sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes you do. So like if you really love the characters, if you love the world, then that's a really good sign. It took about a year for the graphic novel. Um, and even with the graphic novel, I got an R&R from the editor. So I was reworking that too. So it came out now. <laughs> nice. Just a, a long process. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. All right. It is time for the first cue of the podcast. Can you read your query letter for us? Sure. So I'm going to read one of the early query letters that I got from Susie, not the um, the YA that we went off on, uh, because that one we're still reworking. The query letter that um, she had requested was for this like YA fantasy project. And so I'm going to read that one. I'm currently seeking representation for There in the Dark, a 68K word paranormal romance following the journey of two ex-best friends as they explore the dark depths of their haunted heritage and toil with what it might mean to fall in love with one another. I want to submit this novel for your consideration because I feel that with its emphasis on character and atmosphere, There in the Dark goes in line with some of the more character-driven works your agency represents, like Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo and Dissonance by Erica O'Rourke. I sincerely hope that upon reading this novel, you will be pulled into the twisted web of the characters and inhabit its world, and that you will be interested in adding me to your client list. Before she had stabbed him, Byron and Nero had been best friends. They had lived in a world where shadow-like creatures consumed human souls, where alchemists concocted potions and hunters bore moonlit blades. Through it all, they came together, until the night that her shimmering blade pierced his heart. Now, five years after her betrayal, they are strangers. They don't talk, don't look at each other, not even in the grim halls of their high school. Byron is trying to put her demon-hunting past behind her, and Nero is attempting to come to terms with the hallucinations and nightmares that have plagued him since his childhood. All that changes when one day, Byron is tasked with one last deed for her alchemist father. And Nero, longing for answers about the night she almost killed him, are forced to reunite. The encounter is a strained one. They stand for moments, staring, stuttering, not knowing what to say or do, as they drown in the memories of what had once been. He's bitter and she's filled with remorse. But then they share a moment, a tender, soft, and sweet little second of infinity. Everything is as it should be. Everything is right, until a swarm of demons from the other world, the other world that exists between them, attack them. That's when everything changes. What ensues are a series of harrowing events that force the two back into the dark dominion of Chicago's other world. Now Byron and Nero must turn to one another once again 
as they work to uncover the sinister secrets of their past. Can the two find each other within the other world's dark confines, or will the truths they uncover tear them apart irrevocably? Currently, I'm an undergraduate student at Carnegie Mellon University, working towards a double major in fine arts and professional writing. My writing credentials include a short story published in eBook Mall's America's Next Author Anthology and a flash fiction published in imprint by University's Art and Literary Magazine. There in the Dark is the first complete novel in my in progress at the World Series. So that's the query. If I could give myself notes on that query, and it's something <laughs> like, I, I have constantly been trying to figure out what works or what has been working. I, I, I changed the format after that where I would cl- include like a two sentence pitch with comps. So I would move the pitch to the top of the query and then I would um, give the summary. And then at the end, I would say, why am I reaching out to this agent? What about them and their work? Feels like it could be a good fit collaborative wise because, you know, the author and agent are collaborators. That's basically how to restructure it looking back now. Yeah. How has your experience been since signing your contract? Especially let us know if there anything that particularly surprised you along the way. My experience since... uh Signing a contract has been really great. I really like love working with my agent. I love how collaborative it is. Um, I guess one thing that surprised me is I, I think going back to like how many times you have to rework a project. And also like I think, you know, sometimes you give yourself so much time on one project because, you know, before you have like deadlines and expectations, you can work as much as you can on a project. Mm-hmm. But like when you have other things you know, whether it's being processed or at different stages, you kind of have to kind of figure out your timing for like giving yourself enough space to work on each project, but not being able to like spend as much time as you used to. Uh, So that's something that is kind of new and fresh. Yeah, for sure. It is time for the quick round. I call it author DNA, just uh, classifications that we like to put writers in. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Plotter. Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? Definitely an underwriter. Do you prefer to write in the morning or at night? The morning is when most of like my best words come, but I tend to only have time after mm-hmm. at the night after work. So I guess a night writer. When starting a new project, do you typically start with character or plot or concept or something else first? Character. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Tea. When writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? Sound, but I like play the same song over and over again, so I don't even <laughs> hear the words. When it comes to the first draft, are you a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? Get it down. What tools or software do you use to draft? I use Scrivener to do the first draft and then Word for revisions. Do you prefer drafting or revising more? Revising. Do you write in sequential order or do you hop around? Definitely sequential order. And final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? Extroverted introvert. All right, now we're going to talk about the second cue of the podcast. What were some of the qualms or worries that you had on your journey? And do you feel like they were realized or did you overcome them or how did they shake out? Some of the qualms, I guess, something that I kept hitting up against is like, you know, the feeling of like whether or not you're enough, whether or not your products are enough, and also like what you can control versus what you can't control. Mm -hmm. And I think that in terms of feeling like you're enough, it's getting to a place where you're, you feel very proud of the work you're doing and you feel like, okay, seeing your vision come to life the way you want it to, I think that's really where that sense is. It doesn't come externally. It can only come internally. And then separating what you can control and what you can't, it was a really big part. I think querying is a lot of rejection. And the mm-hmm. thing is you can't control how somebody responds to your work, but you can control what you put into the work. And like that is the separation that, I felt like I really needed to get because I was like 
when there's something that you like, you can't say yes to yourself, right? So like <laughs> believing, believe in yourself and then just like believing in yourself and like doing the work to improve the project and putting yourself out there so that when a door opens, you'll be in that space instead of like feeling like you're like knocking on doors. Yeah. Now it's time for the third cue. Do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? For my graphic novels, I always have to start with the character sketches. And for my novels, I can't write the novel unless I have the first sentence down. So sometimes it'll Mm. take months where I just keep rewriting the first sentence. But once (laughs) I have the first sentence, then I can like run with that. All right. When you were in the lowest parts of your journey, whatever that was for you, what kept you going and why did you stick to it? I think when feeling like you're hitting a wall, feeling that rejection, that was a really hard part. And I think my love of writing kept me going. Also my faith. I'm a really religious person. So like that's always helped me in general. But I think loving the work I was doing so that it didn't feel like it was a personal thing. It was like, this is different projects work with different people, right? Mm -hmm. But all, all of them have to work for you as a creator. So it's not like you're trying to make something for someone else. At the end of the day, you have to love what you're working on. And I think once I was able to tell stories that I felt like I was able to fully love and really just like be content with how they are, that really helped me along the way. Mm. Do you feel like you made any mistakes along the way that you might want to tell listeners about so they don't make the same ones? Yeah, I think the thing with querying in high school is <laughs> you make a lot of mistakes, which is why I think it was so nice because so many agents are so graceful and kind that sometimes I look at like, I try not to look at my old stuff, but like <laughs> I, I was really impatient when I was younger. So like I would mm-hmm. like just send queries and like uh, there was this one project. It was like a publisher was doing open calls and I had mm-hmm. sent the manuscript, but I literally had left places where it said like my notes in it. So definitely <laughs> like don't be impatient. Take your time because like the time you have now is probably the most time you'll get to really work on a project. So just enjoy that time and just like be patient with yourself. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I just had a thought while you were talking about this. I think before you sell that first project, it's a great time to take your time because you can then also try different techniques, try different Mm -hmm. things, try different processes and that kind of thing. So you can get it figured out so that once you are (laughs) published, you can maybe work a little bit faster, more efficiently. I totally agree. Can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you learned on your journey? There's some writing groups I'm in and we always talk about our processes and different stuff. But in one of the groups, somebody had shared an article and it was talking about like 100 rejections. And that really changed my perspective on what a rejection is. I think when we hear rejection, when we hear no, we think it's like an indictment on the work or the person. And -hmm. it can be saying like this work is not ready, but also it's like, you are putting yourself out there. And if you're afraid of like putting your projects out there, reaching out and like sending it, then you're not going to give yourself the opportunity to have people read the book and put it in readers' hands. So like, I think once I kind of changed my mindset about, okay, instead of like aiming for an agent, let me aim for a hundred rejections. Let me aim Mm. for like putting my work out there enough that the right person will feel like they have a vision with what I'm doing. And that really helped me. Yeah, that's really great. There's a local group here who meets for a monthly rejection club. And so they bring their rejections. So you have to have a rejection to come. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's super fun. Because then it's also like, I mean, if you're not being rejected, you're not trying, you know, Mm -hmm. so 
All right. This is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. So who are some of the people who helped you along the way and how? My family, they were always the ones who would listen to my stories first. Mm-hmm. Um, my writing groups, uh, my friends and colleagues, my agent Susie and my agency New Leaf. I was also part of um, mentorship. So writing in the margins mentorship, it was run by uh, Justina Ireland. And my mentor for one of the projects I worked on was Heidi Helig. Oh, yeah. Love Heidi. Yeah, she's wonderful. So just having that support has shaped my project so much. And also uh, DV Pit run by Beth Phelan. I think the community DV Pit creates and also like the spotlight it gives on writers from different backgrounds, from underrepresented backgrounds is so important. And it was really helpful to me to feel like, okay, there's a place for my story and there's a community for my story. So since we heard about another book in your query, do you want to tell us about Fibbed before you go? Yeah. So Fibbed is a middle grade graphic novel. It follows 12-year-old Nana, who after telling too many far-fetched stories, she ends up spending her summer um, in Ghana with her grandma just to connect with her family more, connect with her roots. And there she discovers magic in the village forest. And then she has to team up with the mythical Anansi from Ghanaian folklore to help save the magic from a group of contractors trying to steal and sell the magic for profit. Um, So it's really just about like African folklore, community, and learning to believe in yourself and finding your voice. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with everyone. Thank you so much. I love that there's this resource for uh, writers, and it's so great that you're, you know, doing this. And thank you so much for (laughs) having me. This was really lovely. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. You can find the text of Elizabeth's query in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd appreciate if you'd help me find new listeners by leaving a review, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash Sarah Nicholas. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.